The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, my online intuition development program for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. Registration for the Numinous School only happens once a year in June. Find out more directly after the interview. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today on the podcast, I'm connecting with Sarah Faith Godestiner. Sarah is an artist, tarot reader and educator, creator of the very popular Many Moons journals, and a longtime moon worshiper. I'm so excited about this conversation because it was our first meeting and I truly felt like I'd met a kindred spirit. I connected with Sarah online. She was at home in Los Angeles, California. So Sarah, what identities do you lead with? I lead with being an artist. I'm a designer. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I'm a writer. I run my own business. I'm a tarot reader and I teach tarot. I teach metaphysical topics like um, how to work with the phases of the moon, how to work with your intuition. I also have a podcast called Strange Magic that I have with um, two friends of mine, Carolyn Penny Packer Riggs and Amanda Yates Garcia. And it's all about the tarot and magic and being a witch. What kind of art do you do? Where would people find your art mostly? Uh, mostly now it is on, it is for a company that I run called Modern Women. So it's mostly prints. It's mostly on t-shirts. It's mostly on tote bags. Um, it's mostly on like art prints. For many years I was a fine artist and then I ended up getting my master's in design. So I also work for commercial clients, anything from wedding invitations to beauty packaging, um, to apparel. Um, I've done all kinds of of graphic design in my life also. So, yeah. Wow. So right, wide ranging. I love that. You're a Renaissance woman. I just get bored really easily. So have to have to keep it moving. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm very excited to talk to you specifically about uh, moon magic today. So how long have you been actively working with the moon as a companion and what inspired you to start? I've been actively working with the moon. I was trying to remember like the year before we got on the call. It was around uh, 2011 was when I decided, 2011, 2012 was when I decided to work specifically with moon magic. I've been reading tarot and interested in the occult and magic since about 2004, 2005 was when I started practicing. But previous I did not pay a lot of attention to timing, um, which I'm not suggesting the listener do. I'm just telling my story. And so I specifically decided to really get into working with full lunar phases around 2011, 2012. And I've never changed. Like I've never, I've never looked back. I've never uh shifted it it was the results i'm a very practical witch and the results were just kind of unbelievable when i began doing that not to say that magic isn't unbelievable and amazing when you're working with it in any kind of capacity right um 
for me personally, it just turned out to be, it connected the dots for me in a way that really, um, it just felt like coming home, I guess, is the only way to describe it. Mm. So when you're working with the moon, are you working in kind of an animist way where it's like, this is another being just happens to be other than human or are you, are you in, re, like, who or what do you perceive to be in relationship with? Is the moon just a celestial body, a deity? How do you conceive of that relationship and that being? Yes. The, it, I mean, it's so much for me personally. The moon is, uh, yes, of course, the moon is a satellite. The moon is a celestial deity, um, our closest sort of cosmic, um, you know, body uh, closest to us. So there's that. For me, it's like it's like verging on. It is like another being. There is, you know, and I'm sure you felt this, Carmen. Um, there is a communing that you do with lunar energy uh, when you spend time in lunar energy. The moon is a mirror. The moon is our subconscious made conscious, like quite literally in the sky. Um, the moon reflects back to us where we are. So in that way, the moon is also kind of like a celestial anchor to our own process. And also when I'm thinking about doing lunar work, I'm thinking about moon mythology. I'm thinking about our own mythologies. I'm thinking about our own patterns, our own cycles, um, our own natural cycles. I'm also thinking about the fact that the moon is the earth's original timekeeper. And so there's this accumulation of a shared consciousness or collective experience around the phases of the moon because it was humanity's earliest timekeeper. And it's so connected to our bodies and it's so connected to our emotional life and it's so connected to our energy levels and it's so connected to how the water moves on the planet and how the plants grow in the earth and how there is water in the earth and how much water there is in us and all of these things. So that's why it's a little bit hard for me to answer. It's just kind of like a one <laughs> sentence. Um, but that's what I think is what makes it so gorgeous and so beautiful. Mm. So we're recording on a full moon and uh, last night, my my husband and I both had to take turns because we wanted to do our own private ritual in the garden. <laughs> so he was out there, he'd like come in for a little bit. I'd be like, are you done? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm still doing stuff. And so, um, but both <laughs> of us had the experience of, you know, making offerings, singing song, doing prayers. And it was kind of a cloudy night. And each of us had the experience that the more we sang, the more the clouds like would part, 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 and then it would come out. And I often perceive of the moon as like, I say she, I don't know that the moon has pronouns, but, <laughs> but I just, when she came out, as I perceived her as this kind of great mother, it was, it was just like, I felt so chosen, right? <laughs> Even though it's like, and, and also that communing not only with the moon but also with every other witch that's out that night and every other person who's like tear-streaked face is being totally charmed by this great being in the sky um in the gallic poem that i was using it's kind of escaping me in this moment but the translation is you know uh 
great jewel in the sky, queen of the night, mother of the stars. And just thinking of how there's, there's so many roles that the moon can occupy, I find super exciting. So I, I do want to talk about moon phases. I, I first started uh, working with the moon specifically for my business. And I, I want to get into that a little bit with you about, you know, how it can help in different parts of our life. But I think the first thing to start with is how do you decide how many phases you're going to work with? Mm. <laughs> do you have like a, mm -hmm. a sort of set protocol that, that you found over time works for you? Or some months are you working with all 30, 28 or others? Is it five, eight? Like what's your philosophy on which phases are the most important or key? The short answer is all of them. Right. Like, you know, that's, that's that, but that's such a great question. And I love that question. And, you know, uh, this could be a really long answer. I'm going to kind of bullet point some things in my mind and work through them and then you can kind of dialogue. And I'd love to hear how you, uh, you know, specifically have worked with in the past. The first thing is, is if you have, um, a lunar practice, I'm guessing that you have some kind of daily practice, whether that's just for me, it's, it's a morning practice and an evening practice. I sit, I pull a couple cards, I journal, I write what phase the moon is in, you know, I write kind of what I'm feeling. I write how my energy levels are, so on and so forth. And then at night it's, it's kind of like a bookend to that. Um, I'm really lucky for a couple of reasons. One, I have a dog, so I can walk my dog at night and like look up at the moon or feel the lunar energy through the sky. Number two, I'm really lucky because I live in Los Angeles and in general, we can see the moon almost every night when, you know, she's up there, right? Not when she's like waning or dark. Um, so there's that. So I'm, I'm really lucky. So having a daily practice, you know, the first thing I, I kind of tell my students is, is tracking your own specific lunar energy. Some people, full moon, not their time. It doesn't make sense for them to do a ritual. Others, that's the time when they feel most awakened, alive, ready to do ritual, ready to do magic, right? So you really have to work with kind of like how you feel. Um, and, and you only do that, you can only do that by noticing yourself. Like, I don't have the answer. I don't know, Carmen, like what, you know, what, what's that going to work for you? So there's that, you know, traditionally, um, what we see on the internet and what we see on books is in books is, you know, a new moon and a full moon. And that's really kind of a bummer because it's kind of taking away from one, I work with the lunar phases, I'm sure you do holistically, like you like through all the phases of the moon. Why? Well, when we're trying to make change or we're trying to radically connect with ourselves, a lunar phase offers a 360 degree spectrum of reflection, tasks, magical work, like there's shadow work, there's abundance work, there's release work, there's banishing work, there's, you know, scrying work, intuitive work. I mean, any, there's seeding, planting seeds and intention setting. Basically, the moon is a metaphor for a really, really potent, powerful spell, right? Because if you're doing a spell, you don't just light a candle one day and like say your little prayer and you wish you may, may you wish you might. There's all of these other things that go into shifting our subconscious, shifting our actions, shifting our mindset, um, summoning, con conjuring, and co-creating, right? And so that's kind of what we're doing when we're looking at lunar work. So for myself personally, for really like maybe even a year, 
I would really just work around first quarter, last quarter. Like I would kind of, uh, you know, place the most of my kind of magical working around that time. And then other, I would do other things at other times. Um, but it's kind of sort of depending on where you are, you know, in, in what it is that you want to do. Some phases, um, some, some workings when I'm doing, I'll, I'll really, oh, well, this is, so this is my last bullet point. When you're working with the moon, you have to prepare for changes. You have to prepare because you're, you're as you know, Carmen, this is not an extractive relationship, right? We're not like, I'm going to do this and I need this from you. Great mother, you know, um, <laughs> that's not really how it works. It's a call and response. So you also have to listen to see what's coming up for you. You have to listen to see what the lunar energy is bringing up for you or what is appearing for you as you're doing this work as you're really, what we're doing is going deeper, right? So then kind of things get altered and changed where it's like, oh, okay, maybe I do have to do some really intense trans work on the dark moon or, Hey, you know, maybe I'm not ready to do that. Or maybe that's not really appropriate or, you know, so you also have to be prepared to kind of be flexible, you know, with, within the kind of container of what, what it is you kind of want to be doing. So it's like make a tentative plan and then sort of, you know, see what kind of comes up and, and adjust accordingly and trust your intuition. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's, what's your experience been like? Yeah, I, I'm actually pretty excited to hear you say first quarter, last quarter, because I have always found um, full moon to be such a strong punctuation mark. And, and I, I often bleed kind of somewhere around there. And so I'm just fucking tired. And so it's really much more kind of just offerings and honoring. And I don't do a lot of I just don't do a ton of work then other than going out and putting an offering at, at, at my ancestor tree. Um, but the, the phase that is known as the Druid moon, which again, you mentioned being timekeeper, right? So it's about five days after the new moon. It's when, when it looks like a D, so it's kind of balsamic, right? And, and, and so it's like, oh, there's the Druid moon. It's the first time we can tell, oh, we're about, we're, we're a little less than a week, you know, after this new moon. I've, I love that one. I love that one. And so my daily practice is to kiss the moon, like kiss my palm and hold it up to the moon wherever I am. <laughs> if I'm in the city, if I'm like in my yard, um, as soon as I see the moon every day. And I, I somewhat do that with the sun, but it's especially the moon. That's, kind of, that's my lunar practice is like, oh, hello. And I stop and kiss my palm and hold it up. Um, but I love dark moon time, man. That's my jam. That's when I feel this renewed sense of like, okay, it's, it's time. Like, let's do some, whatever the spell casting is, whatever, you know, and some people say, oh, you know, you really shouldn't do any, divination work. And I'm like, I think that depends on a whole bunch of factors. Like when you bleed, like which, which phase you're relating to. I think lots of people can do really fantastic divination work in the dark moon. I have so much to say on that. One yeah. is you brought up, a, you brought up your own ancestral practice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the Druid moon, like you have, it's like part of your ancestral lineage and that's mm -hmm. what makes you feel connected similarly, you know, I'm Jewish. So my new moon is actually not the astrological new moon. It is actually about two to four days after the, 
you know, NASA slash astrology <laughs> new moon, uh-huh. where you can see the little sliver, you can see it's, it's what is called the waxing crescent, right? You can see the little smile for me personally, because I was, well, this is another thing that your listeners can look up. They can look up when, what phase of the moon was in when they were born. Mm-hmm. So I was born during a dark moon. So new moons actually energetically for me are really hard. I don't feel good. I don't feel hopeful. I love the dark moon. I love the waning moon. I feel at home. So very similarly, like it's like we can work with our ancestral practice. We can do research. We can see what kind of works for us. The dark moon traditionally, as I was taught from witches, the dark moon is the time to do. It's Inanna's time. It's like Persephone's time. It's like the time of the, it's Hecate's time. It's the time of the underworld. It's time of divination. It's time of really deep, deep, deep seeding. Like you can really work with your subconscious during that time. You can really go below, um, below the below in a way to kind of see what can kind of come up there. So actually the dark moon is this powerful, powerful, powerful time. Some witches say like, it's a time for rest. It's a time just to recharge. But I personally use the the new moon as that time in my personal practice. It's not a time where I'm going to cast a spell on the new moon. It's a time where maybe I rest or I cry or I just kind of set. And then when I feel the stirrings of the kind of waxing crescent, that's when I, um, observe the the kind of new moon but that but again this is just my per i want to be really clear this is like my personal experience um it's really up 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 to the listener up to the practitioner to kind of tune into what is working for them and like you have a different practice than i do and you know like i have a i have a friend who is working with moon phases and it took her it actually took her like a year of just like noticing and being like she's like all oh, right yeah like four days before the full moon. I just, I feel so good. I'm like, use that energy. And then the other thing I suggest to people is for a balance sake, you pick the opposite time on of the wheel of the cycle to do kind of the opposite balancing action. So if you're going to be doing something at the waxing gibbous, then do something maybe four days before, five days before a new moon. That is kind of that opposite sort of balancing action. But that's mm-hmm. just, but that's just, my practice. You can also work with every single phase of the moon in some way to really take advantage of, of that 360 kind of spectrum that we have going on. That's a really great suggestion to do the balancing act. Just like find where your flow or your energy is and then do the balancing of what, you know, of that at, at the other time. That's fantastic. I would I think for folks who are not super fluent with yeah, the, we're like, the jargon, know, we're like, oh. yeah, exactly. I'm like, we've maybe lost them a little bit. So why don't you maybe just describe what some of like some people may not quite know the new the difference yeah. between dark moon and new moon, right? So can you just go through like wh- how what are the common terms of the different phases that we mostly see? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, there are like, depending on who you're talking to, there are like roughly eight or nine main moon phases. Um, I, I used to write lunar workbooks called many moons and I would observe five phases just to, again, keep it simple. As you said, Carmen, it could be like 28 <laughs> phases, but uh, I want to kind of zoom out and I want to sort of use a metaphor for the listener, for someone who's really like, 
like you said, who's listening to us go on and on and on um, about our personal practice and is like, wait a minute. So I want to I want to kind of zoom out and I want it's really easy, a really simple metaphor and a really powerful metaphor for a lunar cycle is um, the wheel of the year or nature. So, you know, we can think of the summer solstice as being a full moon. We can think of a winter solstice as being kind of dark moon, new moon time. And then we can think of the equinoxes, um, you know, the spring and the fall equinox. Uh, the spring equinox would be um, the first quarter, or as you call it, the druid moon. Then we would move kind of along to a full moon or summer solstice. Then we would kind of move into the waning um, which would be the fall equinox, um, and then the light, you know, so we can look at nature, those of us in the nor- Northern Hemisphere, you know, as, as this cycle that matches up really beautifully and really perfectly traditionally with the lunar cycle. So we have the new moon, and then um, that is traditionally a seeding time where we plant seeds, where we set intentions, where we dream, where we conjure hope and faith, about one week after that, there is the first quarter moon where we can see half of the moon's light in the sky. That is a growing phase. So that is um, that, that kind of tips the lunar light into waxing. Um, and then that is a time for focusing on accumulation, gathering strength, um, tending to the garden as it were, focusing on what you want to have grow. Um, in your life. This is also the time where, you know, we are like filled with water ourselves and the moon corresponds to water, not just all the water in the ocean and the tides, but the water in the earth. Um, You know, a lot of this traditional witchcraft is rooted in kind of traditional pagan, which is also goes back to agriculture, right? So like biodynamic gardening, lunar gardening. So that is a cycle that a lot of um, farmers traditionally would use. So they would plant seeds at a new moon. They would tend through the waxing. The full moon is when the sun is directly opposite the moon in the sky. It's where we see the reflected light the most. Sometimes it appears that the moon is closer, although it just depends on where the moon is in her orbit. At the full moon, it is traditionally a time for harvesting. It's like you said, the offerings, um, gratitude, culmination, celebration. It's a time where traditionally there was the most light in the sky so people could work longer, people could harvest more, people could come together and gather and see one another um, you know, in, in the night sky. In like astrology world and in internet meme world, <laughs> the full moon they say is a time for release. I think it's a cultural thing where like our culture has issues with dealing with our emotions mm. and energy is rising through the waxing. So things are coming up, you know, through our subconscious or our emotional body that a lot of times get really highlighted at a full moon. Like, boom, I can't hide from it. I can't run. It's this pattern that keeps coming up. Or I got into an argument with my friend or, you know, oh, I'm, you know, all these things, like I sometimes call the full moon, like everything all at once. So just depending on where you are, you know, in your life, you're like zapped, you're wired. 
or conversely, you're fired up, you, you're getting downloads, you know, you need to write in your journal, you're waking up, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's been studies done with like full moon and sleep. And then there's been a lot of studies with like animals and mating in the full moon and all these things. So, you know, all of this, all of this is to say that for me personally, my practice is that the full moon is not a time for releasing a time. A full moon is a time for holding and a full moon is a time for celebrating and a full moon is a time for really accepting what is because if we can't accept what is coming up good or bad challenging or beautiful you know we don't really have anywhere to go we're just going to stay stuck in our cycles we're we're going to stay on subconscious autopilot um however this is what i will say if something needs to be released an offering that's the time to do it um and then the moon slips into the moon's waning phase and the waning phase is traditionally a time for, um, I've heard it called the second harvest. Mm -hmm. So this can be the time where we're still kind of harvesting what has kind of come up through the waxing phase. We're sort of integrating. Um, we're kind of figuring out what we want to do. We're reflecting. It is traditionally an introspective time. It is traditionally like a time for internal magic and internal work. It is a time where you would also weed. It is a time where you would also let go and purge and get rid of and say fairly well, you know, see what I want to be. A. Um, it's a time for breaking patterns, breaking habits. Um, and then we go into uh, the last quarter moon, which is the opposite uh, kind of time clock. When we're at the last quarter moon, we are about one week to the new moon. And then we can kind of really get in there. And I kind of think of it as the like scrubbing the bottom of the pan with the, you know, scrubby, like, oh, okay, let's do this work. But conversely, it can be a really great time for like behind the scenes downloads. Like um, if you get an idea for a book, you can like start to do the research. Or if you're like, you know what, I think I really want to start this new part of my business. You start reaching out to people behind the scenes. Um, you get things, you start to set the stage for this a new cycle excuse me a new cycle at this phase and then as you so beautifully talked about and we just talked about the dark moon is traditionally three days before a new moon um it's the time where we can't see the moon in the sky um it's the time sometimes where we can get closer to ourselves closer to our own intuition we're almost forced to kind of sit with self and, and see how we feel like apart from any and, and also this is what i want to say i'm kind of like describing this fairly epic journey you know <laughs> of, of the, so you also kind of the dark moon could be this time for real pause and like okay like i've been through all this i've been doing all this work now what or what has changed or like how do i just sit with what i know to be true now um and then we can kind of gear up for another cycle at, at the new moon. So, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, but as you know, Carmen, when you work with it, it's not, it's, it's so intuitive when you're tapping into yourself, it's not as complicated or, you know, um, it's, it's not as, as, as complicated as I think it could sound as I'm kind of setting this up. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And I, I love that if you think of it as the wheel of the year and you think of it as, uh, you know, a uh, Shiro or hero's journey or that sort of thing, then you, then it does make sense. It just even intuitively, you have a sense of like, oh, I'm completing this full cycle. Um, and as a, you know, pretty active 
urban homestead or gardener, the farmer's almanac, man, like that, just like, when are you planting seeds? When are you harvesting things? What, you know, what do you do when? I think there are a lot of good sort of um, rules of thumb for how we can approach that are really non-intimidating. They're, they're, they're just like, their ancestral practices, whether you consider that pagan or just bioevolutionary, we have evolved to be in relationship with this, with this um, cycle. And, you know, when we were talking about the full moon and, and seeing each other at night, you know, when, when I was outside last night, part of it um, that, that was so charming when it, when the clouds would part and this huge super moon was there was the, the Scots Gallic, um, description of the full moon is the poor man's lamp and so i was just that experience of it being lit up and and having it being like an internal warmth you know it's a different fire than the hearth fire but the poor man's lamp was like this beautiful sweet um yeah phrase that just kept running through through my head i do think that uh you mentioned journaling and there i do think it's pretty important to journal even if you're not a journaler but just to even spend a, one month even saying like this is how i'm feeling this is what's going on and i'm noticing the moon um because when i think back to when i was a young person there are a few really big uh september harvest full moon experiences that i had that stand out in my mind but i think i feel a little bereft that I never noticed the moon that much, you know? And then once you really do get into relationship and you spend one month or a year or however long mm -hmm. just getting in relationship, mm -hmm. the richness there is, is, is so overwhelming. Um, now, you mentioned in those phases a little bit about like, what would I want to do for my business? Be before I ask you about some of that, specifically. I'm curious what you've learned about protocol or manners or manner of approach to the moon that for a beginner who might feel a little, I don't know, intimidated or scared or just, you know, when we're new, we don't want to do the quote unquote wrong thing. And of course, everyone will say there's no right or wrong way to approach the moon. But I'm curious, as a seasoned practitioner of, of lunar cycles, um, what have you learned about some protocol or manner of approach that might be helpful for beginners? I love that question so much. It's such a beautiful question. Um, I think that when we're embarking on any kind of relationship, that we are making a commitment. So whenever we are stepping into a committed relationship, we want to be really clear about how we will care and tend to this relationship. I'm a big fan of non-extractive magical relationships. And all, all I mean is when I say extractive is, you know, instead of kind of thinking about, well, what's in it for me? Well, what's in it for us? Not just me and the moon, but what's in it for our collective or what's in it for our ancestors or what's in it for 
um, you know, tending to like, what are we going to gain, but also what are we willing to kind of put in and realizing that this is like a relationship that is going to change with time um, in a relationship that is going to require our care, our love, our respect, and our tending to um, in some ways that we can do that for me is like I said, um, doing as much listening as I sort of do asking or, you know, dialoguing. Um, a, a practice I set up is there's making offerings on a number of different levels. There's magical offerings, but there's also like literally helpful offerings for the moon. So for me, part of my practice is I give money to uh, clean water efforts because the, the moon corresponds with water and sea life and the oceans. Um, if you're someone that has a really strong relationship maybe to the earth or to planting, you said, you know, you're, you're a homesteader, maybe that could be doing something for the environment, which of course you're already doing, Carmen, but maybe you take it one step further and you make a monthly occurring or you have a fundraiser or something like that. You know, I think we're in, when, when we're in a relationship with a natural deity, um, with a natural force, we want to make sure to protect that natural force um, as well as um, being in a committed devotional practice to to whatever it is that whatever quality um whatever energy we're kind of working with i hope that kind of mm -hmm. that kind of helps um so i think that for the kind of so for me it's like i'm not there's no like wrongs or rights or anything like that but i think that it's really important for us the moon in particular because like the moon is free the moon is for everybody like no, everyone is allowed to hang out with the moon, whether you, you know, are a man, uh, whether you're a woman, whether you're non-binary, whether you bleed, whether you don't, like we all have blood in us. We all have water in us. We all, we all have our own experience um, with, with the, the beauty of this energy. So you can do whatever it is you want, but I always think it's important for us to be kind of like respectful because for me personally, I wasn't necessarily taught that early on in my magical life. Like no one was like, oh, wait, you're entering into a relationship with these deities or with these ingredients. Like be respectful. You know, a little bit goes a long way. Like I think I sometimes get worried that there's this sort of trend where you need to have all these props or you need to have all of these like fancy toys, um, you know, in order to be a witch or something like that. But it's, that's not the case. You don't like an altar you can create with your mind, you know, like you don't, you can be an altar if you want, you know? So, um, you know, I, I just take care in my own life to not have a magical practice that is appropriative or extractive. So I, that's all I would sort of say um, to anyone kind of beginning. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's the same. I was thinking even just about the little ritual offering I did last night and kind of laughing at how short it was. I was like waiting, waiting, waiting for my husband to be finished in the garden. And then I went out and was back in the house in literally two minutes. <laughs> like it was like, it didn't, it, you know, it wasn't like, oh, here's a bunch of fanfare. It was like, here's some milk and some beer. Like it was like, kind of, you know. Well, and the other thing too, you know, for, for, 
the listeners who are not, you know, necessarily drawn to doing ritual or spells or ceremony, you know, the other thing that's really useful with lunar work is just noting how you feel at certain times. How much energy do you have? If you know around a full moon, you're going to be walloped, (laughs) then maybe you don't plan the huge event or, you know, or if you have to, if you have a big presentation at work or you have to go get on a plane or whatever, you know that you're going to be fried. So you take pains to be like, okay, I know I'm going to be really tired. I have to drink a lot more. I have to get more sleep. I'm not going to say yes to a million other things. I'm just going to have to do this presentation and then get on this plane. And then I'm going to schedule in half a day where I just can lay on the couch. Like you can work with your own. It doesn't have to be this like, yes, I'm giving over my entire (laughs) magical life and practice to the moon. It can be like, okay, this is really practical. Or like, hey, it's a waning moon. You know what? I'm going to do my taxes. I'm just going to get it done. I'm going to figure it out. You know what? I'm going to book two hours, going to clean out my closet. This is it. We're going to go to the Goodwill. We're going to fit. You know, it doesn't, there there are these like very practical things you can do in your life. Um, It doesn't have to be like, I'm lighting 17 candles, but you know, I can't see you because I'm doing a five hour lunar ritual. Sure. If that's what you want to do, great. But you don't, it could just be you're taking a bath. Like you take a bath at the full moon and you listen to a meditation and you go to bed and you like ask the moon to come through in your dreams. It doesn't have to be this like, you know, and I think that is also where people get intimidated. Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, if you want to go all in, you can do it and you will get phenomenal results. And if you just want to kind of feel more connected to yourself and your own energy patterns and feel like, okay, this is, these are my cycles. I can identify that this can help me in a variety of different ways. That's all it can be too. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I I know when, when I read, I, a lot of my witchcraft books are from secondhand stores. So they're like printed in the (laughs) eighties, seventies and nineties kind of thing. And I feel exactly like that when I read Wiccan ritual, I'm like, Oh fuck. I'm like, I'm tired in the second paragraph and I don't have the right colored candles and I don't even like paraffin candles. Where am I going to get a black beeswax candle or, you know, and so I, it just stresses me out. So like, it's like, Oh, Wicca, not for me. But as I kind of muddle through and explore, it's yeah, you figure out, Oh, this, this though, this really works for me. So would you be willing to share and, and maybe it's not typical, but like, let's say you were going to do something a little special because mm-hmm. uh, there's like some, something going on and um, you were going to do some lunar ritual that was like a little bit more involved. Would you be willing to share a little bit of like how you personally would create a strong ritual container for that? Like, are, are, do you call in deities? Are you burning incense? Like just, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for sure. And again, this is just completely personal, like my own practice. Um, Generally, my spells are, they are pretty structured um, in the sense that, you know, you probably do this too, Harmon. It's like, which 101? We create a container. I call in, um, I, you know, I don't work a lot with 
I, I have about like three or four deities that I feel comfortable working with. And a lot of them are kind of related again to my like ancestral practice or, you know, I felt like some deities I just ha- get a hard no from, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like I can appreciate them. Like I'm like, wow, you're incredible. You're beautiful. You know, you're like I, I can admire them from afar without needing to like, they're like, you know what, but we're for someone else. Like we're not <laughs> for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, if I, if, if I am working with a deity, um, I'll call in that deity after I call my corners. So it's like, it's very traditional. I, I, you know, prep my space. I get all my ingredients together. I, I, you know, schedule out my evening. Um, a lot of times I'll, it'll be, I'll, I'll either have some consciousness altering aspect to it, um, that I do within the container of the ritual. So that would be a meditation or like a breath work session um, or trance work to kind of get me into the in-between space after I've cast um, my circle. Um, and then, you know, I, I call in any deities, any protectors, any ancestors that I want. Um, you know, I initiate, um, I initiate what I want to have initiated. And then, you know, if I am working with the moon as, as I usually am, I will, um, draw in the energy of the moon. I will, you know, as they say, like draw down the moon. I will, I will stand before the moon and I will, um, invite in the lunar energy of the moon. I will spend time meditating and communing with that energy. Um, I will raise energy. That's like a really common practice. So I'll raise energy in my body. Um, for me, a spell isn't a spell unless you've shifted your consciousness in some form, Mm. unless you've changed energy in, in some way. Um, then I will generally release the energy or I will ground the energy, um, create offerings, you know, say thank you, um, you know, close the circle. Um, and that's pretty much it. It's pretty standard. I'm not doing anything that, you know, you know, anything kind of different or kind of special. Uh, I will do uh, repetitive spells. So like I will do the same spell a few days in a row or I will do like cumulative spells, meaning like day day one, um, I might, you know, set up, I might, I might set up the spell for myself to receive more information. Like, mm. and then day two, I might be like, okay, this is what I need to do. Day three, I might have like a a final goodbye or a final ramping up or, you know, another thing I like to do personally because I'm a tarot reader is I'll like to also within the container of the spell, I'll um, either charge tarot cards magically, um, you know, archetypally, like what is the tarot archetype I want to work with? um, Or I will create a tarot spread to give me more information in the container of the spell or to affirm, like, honestly, like, okay, I'm going to pull a card. Is this affirming that I'm making the right choice? Mm -hmm. Do I need to make, do I need any, like, where is more information coming in? Um, that's kind of it. I don't know if that's like too much information or too little information. No, it's great. It, I, I, I'm just kind of a looky loo. I just, you show me yours. I'll show you mine. That kind of thing. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. And, and like very, very typical ritual container, right? Of like, yeah, calling in or delineating your sacred space, having your competent protectors there, declaring what it is you want to do, enacting it somehow, you know, making sure that there's 
clarity on some kind of shift in energy and then thanking everybody for coming out and like, (laughs) and and see you next month or whatever. Um, And so when you're working around your business and you're like in a different kind of phase, like maybe you're in ideation phase and then you're in productivity phase. Like where do you kind of line up in terms of working with the moon in your business? Is there a particular time where you're like, this is my jam and I always do this for my business at this time? Yeah. So I love, I mean, we, this could be a whole nother podcast conversation. (laughs) The first thing I will say is, um, this sounds like a, maybe a strange thing for me to say as someone who like, why not? Like we're talking about magic. I self-identified as a witch and a tarot reader, but however, I, for like maybe the first two or three years of my business, and now I've been in business for just about seven years, for the first few years, I um, did not incorporate magic into my business. Um, so the thing I always tell people, it doesn't matter if your business is like you're a car mechanic or like a wig maker, if you are a practitioner of magic or ritual, um, don't compartmentalize your magic. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I forget that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm like, don't compartmentalize your magic. Um, you know, we are allowed to integrate as much as we want to, um, in large and little ways. Right. You know? So, um, the second thing I want to say is, and you people out there who run your own business will probably identify with this is, um, and this is where lunar work gets a little bit trippy. We can be in specific phases of our lives that don't match up to the lunar phase. So like Mm -hmm. Carmen, you could be in a full moon phase where you feel really actualized and you know all of these things and you want to share and you like are ready to harvest, like you're ready to call in favors and you're ready to give your, your, your having this levels are like very appropriate for where you are in this life. You know, you feel very whole, you feel very full. Um, or you could be in a waning moon phase where you're like, you know what? I'm not going to push. I'm not going to go hard. I'm going to do the bare minimum while I figure out what it is I want to do next. Or I'm going to kind of figure out what I need to let go of or what isn't working for me. And that could last for, you know, a year or that could last for six months of your life. It, it you know, it's like we have our own kind of rhythms. You know, when I was starting my business, I was definitely in waxing moon phase. And, and that was kind of also the phase that I worked with the most because I wanted to grow. You know, I, I didn't have, I wasn't starting from anywhere. Um, I needed to grow. I needed to kind of focus on that. And, and, you know, I think people who have businesses realize too, that they go through phases and they go through cycles. And I think it's also, um, and if you don't have a business and you're listening to this, you can also sort of check in with yourself and ask yourself like, what phase are you in right now? personally, you know, are you in a new moon phase where you're ready to kind of begin a new, you're uh, learn a new skill set, or you're ready to kind of see what's like over there on the horizon, or you're like finding yourself interested in reading books about, you know, I don't know, being a car mechanic, you know, what, like, what are you kind of, huh, what's like stirring in you, you know, that, and that could last for, you know, six months, a year, it doesn't have to be just um, at the new moon, you know, Um, so like there's that. So working, working with that in my business has also been like the thing I really love about the moon that I haven't talked about yet that I 
feel like I really need to talk about is that what kind of lunar work really set me free in, in some ways because it really solidified that there is no wrong and there is no right. Like if you are in a pattern in your life, if, if you are in a grieving pattern in your life, um, if, if, if you are sad or if you're needing to let go of something and it's really painful, um, that's fine. Like, you know, in our kind of like the, the moon is not the binary, like the binary is horrific and the binary has caused a separation and the binary has caused this anguish. Um, I'm not even super big on duality anymore. I don't even, you know, I'm like trying to figure out words for what I'm trying to kind of, um, embody and embrace. But, you know, lunar work says like, Hey, um, if you're feeling this kind of way, you, you know, it's, it, that's okay. You know, it's, it's, we're not going towards some like pot of gold in the sky where we are going for wholeness and we are going for embodiment and we are going for actualization and we are going for intimacy, intimacy with self. And we are going for like trust. Like there are definitely like beautiful, beneficial things we're going for, but it's okay if you are in a phase in your life where you are in this kind of letting go phase or, or, or something isn't working and you're not sure why, and you kind of have to figure it out. Um, that's also kind of what I want to say, because sometimes in my own business where when like things have not been working out or something isn't working or I, I tried to go for this thing that I thought I needed to go for and it's not what I needed to go for or it's not actually what I needed. Um, I can tend to be really hard on myself mm. and I can tend to really judge myself and being like, well, it's your fault because like when you're running your own business, it's you. So you know, you're kind of responsible or, or you're, or you're kind of the one, but, um, when we kind of are like, okay, well, no, but we can, there's there, we can always shift. We can always change. We can always grow. And when I kind of shift from a, from, from a viewpoint of like, well, what do I have to learn from this? Um, like lunar work can help me. Like, what do I have to let go? Like what, what is the second arrow there? Where is the feeling about the feeling? Where is the judgment about, you know, the bad feeling or the grief or the sadness or the loss or, um, you know, what can that kind of tell me about my life? Um, mm -hmm. I hope, I hope I'm not kind of, I'm sort of derailing. I kind of like went off. No, there, no, but. I totally get it. And what, well, I think I totally get it. And I think parallels of thought that I've had about since I, 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 I've done intuitive business planning for many years and lead workshops like that every year for folks to kind of plan their year. And then I work with the, the moon throughout the year. And what I love about having um, lunar influence in business is that I believe it helps us unhook from capitalism because it moves us from linear time to circular time. And so we're out of that constant need to accumulate, grow, get bigger. And, and we can normalize that there, as you say, there, you're in phases in your life, you're in phases of, and, and that necessarily includes decline, decay, death, rebirth. And what's beautiful about working with the moon is you recognize, um, and just like working with the seasons, and, and I talk a lot about this when I'm leading quests, it's that each season initiates you for the next one. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, that dark moon time where where you were saying we're in like real intimate relationship with self, well, we're being initiated in, in our faith, faith in the unseen, faith in what's going to happen. Yeah. And we need that in order to be able to like step ahead into that darkness and trust that it's going to grow. And, and, and I think it helps our nervous systems regulate to darkness, loss, 
uncertainty, it helps us develop more um, distress tolerance for uncertainty. There's more gray area thinking when we recognize that we're in circular time and not linear time. And we recognize that I don't want a business that's fucking growing all the time. I can't have a list that has thousands of people on it. It's just, fuck, no, thank you. Like that's that energetically that much collective is too much for me and my business. And I feel full at like 500. And that's why I delete people off my list who don't open like 80% of my emails. I get like 500 people that open 80% of the time. That's my full moon. And that feels really good. I and, love, I love that. So I feel exactly the same way. I like, will I will put caps on things. Like there's this like narrative, this like dominant online narrative where it's like, get thousands of people. I'm like, that would stress me. It's just me and my studio manager. Like I don't, I can't, I don't have the capacity and I can't show up for the people. Like I'm interested in showing up for the people that are there, Mm -hmm. not trying to like, like get people out. Like I, that's who I want to serve. Like the people that are already there and and the people that I already love and like I, you are completely speaking my language 100%. Um, And this idea that like, if you want to weed out something that you've maybe been doing for a long time, um, that, but that it's just not working or you're ready to do something new, like this idea that it's not bad, like it's not, or that loss or, you know, that grief or, or that pain or that failure is like in quotes bad. Like it's, it's not like, that's what I love about lunar time too. It's not like good or bad. Um, you know, where it's, it's not the binary, like you said Mm -hmm. so beautifully, I I couldn't, I couldn't say it uh, much more beautifully than that. So it's like, it's, it's a real, it's like a cosmic permission slip, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how do you personally cope with, with grief and rage? I, I can tell we're, we're reading each other's mail about large scale dilemmas, right? And here we have the moon that is for everybody and can be such a good, um, companion for that. But I'm curious, you've said a few times you're not interested in extractive relationship. <laughs> and so I, I, that's made me think about like how much pain I bring to the moon when I'm grieving or when I'm like raging. Um, so yeah, I don't really like, I, I, it's not a pointed question. This is just kind of like a free form, but I'm just curious how you personally deal with grief and rage, whether it's lunar related or not. Yeah, well, I do just want to say, like, bring all your grief and rage to the moon. Like, the moon is the keeper of tears, you know? Mm -hmm. The moon is the keeper of water. Like, the moon holds the space for that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, if not the moon, where? You know what I mean? Um, Cry, 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 cry to the moon. Like, so, like, I know you've had tears of sorrow but I also know you've had tears of joy like you know you're just like oh my gosh you're you're so humble like I'm so humbled a lot of the time I'll 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 cry tears of gratitude like wow you're so beautiful um yeah this is a great question I mean I can only speak for myself anger for me personally is a superpower I anger for me is a really, 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 really clear message. Um, Anger for me, if I work with it properly and effectively, um, that's it. it, I mean, to get really personal, like I'm sitting in a house that 
I bought that was started by like I got angry one day of like renting and that then I ended up being like so when I can work with anger effectively and I can transmute it and transform it righteous anger and righteous rage for me personally is uh, like, I'm like, yes. Like uh, now I do not walk about in a state of anger and rage all of the time because that's the other problem. That's the other issue with, with anger specifically, right? We have to use it effectively. We have to transform it. We have to figure out where it needs to kind of move through. Um, but it's really like, to me, it's really powerful, like red energy. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, per- this is just very much like me personally. I'm like, okay, what is this telling me? But it's never like, what is this telling me? It's always like, this is telling me I got to do this, right? Uh, It's really clear. And so that's why I actually really appreciate anger personally in my own life. I'm I'm not necessarily talking about like someone yelling at me or someone getting, Mm -hmm. you know, rageful at me. I'm just talking about myself and my body and all of that stuff. Yeah. Can I interject with a question? So um, what, what about when... I don't know if this happens for you, but this has happened to me recently. Um, I, I think I can mention it without crying. So two very large sequoias, these beautiful grand trees, uh, were cut down by my office for condos. And of course, I was shattered and crying and the arborist came and was like trying to console me. It's like, I hope it doesn't ruin your day. I'm like, this is ruining my fucking life. Like I was really, you know, it's like not your fault, not personally. After I grieved though, there was this incredible rage that I want to be able to use. Um, I want to be able to mobilize. So it's not just traumatic stress. It's actually being mobilized. But do you ever have it where your rage is actually very anarchic and you like are like, I should just destroy their office? <laughs> or like, do you ever just feel like, what, what is the difference between mobilizing my rage and just like the vengeance of, you know? Yeah. Well, that's really, you know, that's really interesting, Carmen. The first thing that's the first thing that came into my mind actually and this and then I can respond to this but I just want to share like I was at a protest recently and someone had a sign that said you're lucky we just want equality and not revenge right you know and I think that's like this this kind of fine line and like that I think honestly is like the segue into grief because mm-hmm. I'm like, cause, cause anger that can't go anywhere, rage where like you can do what you can do, but you can't, you can't save those sequoias, which I'm just going to kind of project that what you're really also connecting to is the devastation of the earth that we're, we're in the apocalypse, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. in the, you the, can say uh, it, it's apocalypse. You yeah. know, the insects are dying and <laughs> the ca- caps are melting and we are in like, we, you know, some scientists say 2024, like some, you know, we are in a critical zone for the, pl- the planet, you know, um, we're in an extinction phase. I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrific. There aren't really words for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's also where like grief comes in too because the only to me in my own personal practice the only intelligence that I can connect with with grief that is not salvaging what is but 
is just providing a softer place to land, I suppose, is, you know, grief means you care. Mm -hmm. Grief means you understand the importance of whatever it is you're losing or whatever it is that you care for. Um, and grief means you're connected, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, and I, and again, it's like when I've been in extreme periods of grief, if I can really sit with myself in the grief, I'm thinking of my like grief cycle I was in last year. I had a dog that died that was very dear to me mm -hmm. and it just took a long time. And it was a its own process. Um, when you let it move through you in that non-judgmental way and you can sit with yourself, there are messages and there are gifts now. And then now I'm being moved to like share with like, I'm like, okay, well, my dog died and I'm not there with my dog in the sense of I'm thinking of the other like most important person in my life that died was my grandmother that raised me and now my my grandmother has come back into my life as an ancestor and she visits me and it's a way to feel connected where I might sometimes cry but that connection I can feel with her that is undeniable and the messages that I receive from her um is are are so powerful so I think there are all these different like levels. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. I, know, I know I'm a little bit like rambly, but I'm trying to connect it. But also, you know, going back to the apocalypse, like there's no, there's not a container big enough. Like we have the earth and the, that container in quotes should have been big enough for us to be able to live and mm -hmm. live peacefully and in harmony and, in stewardship and in co-creation, but some of us haven't seen that yet. And those people are ruining it for humanity. I don't know. I, I'd love to Well, hear and it has a bit of a weird um, energy that is hard to conceive. The, the, the closest metaphor I can think of is like when your parents are aging, which I haven't had this experience personally, but, and you start to parent your parent, it's like the natural world is meant to be, there's like a biological scale there. It's supposed to be able to hold us. And that's what we're, you know, drawing on. That's what we're looking to, to hold us in, in our hardest times. And now we're like, oh, fuck. So we've extracted and it, and it's collapsing and all we can do is midwife it. And it's, and, and just personally, I don't feel equipped as a human to hold space for the collapse of ecosystems. Like, it's just, it's just, there's not, it's, there's a biological dissonance to that, that just, I, I'm not that scale. And so here, all we have is each other. And I really appreciate what you say, like, you know, anger and rage is like, you, you love something that's been so violated. And the grief is that, you know, you love something that is so gone or, you know, and it's like, what can we do, but, but be together in it. I, I really appreciate your, your sharing on that. How, how did you honor your your dog or your grandma or who, who I, I'm, I'm always curious those processes yeah would you mind sharing a bit about that well yeah I can I'll I guess I'll just I guess I'll just talk about my grandmother because my 
I know this sounds again, like a little bit out there, but I do believe like, because uh, sometimes when I give readings, like ancestors will step through and the little information that I have about that is that there's like a phase of like, uh, there's a phase to death where the spirit just kind of goes away. Like you can't access the spirit like right after kind of death. Um, and I also feel like in my very limited experience, like animals are a little bit different than like humans. Um, uh, at any rate, that's neither here nor there. Um, with my dog, I just had to like, I just had to be bowled over by the grief. But with my grandmother, and I'm not there yet because it's been like a year-ish and I'm still like, you know, I have her picture up and I keep her alive. Like, I think that's another thing. Like there's that witch saying, what is remembered lives. Mm. So it's like, if you remember something that was important to you, um, it will live on in some way. And that is how you honor it. Right. With my grandmother, it's by staying connected. It's by talking to her. It's by writing to her. It's by paying attention when she wants to come in. Um, But it's also like, and now again, I'm getting really personal, but I hopefully, you know, listeners will have a benefit. It's also recognizing like what she gave me and then also like what my mother gave me and then what all these people I didn't know gave me, like my great, great, great grandparents who I don't know their names. I only know my great grandparents' names because of like assimilation mm-hmm. and, and really thinking about like, um, how I can honor their pain or my perception of their pain as, you know, like what I've heard from their story and how I can put myself in their shoes um, and what I know about my family history by healing certain themes of those Hmm. in my own life or healing is not my favorite word, but addressing and integrating and recognizing like the gifts that they gave me that both were painful and challenging and going back to kind of that transformation of the anger, like moving it somewhere else, like Mm -hmm. talking from which speak, like changing the energy so that it can go somewhere else um, in a, in an offering to them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And for folks for whom it doesn't make sense, they should just listen to this again, maybe in a year after they've been working with the moon for a bit. And I bet you it'll start to make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. I'm I'm sorry for the pain of the death of your dog and also your grandmother, but I'm also so um, relieved and thrilled that you have somehow been shaped by the elements and different forces that enables you to help move the energy and, um, and keep the, the, the bright gifts alive and transmute the dark gifts into something that's beneficial for you and others. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a great conversation. So good, right? Oh, I am such a fan such a fan to find out more about sarah's work and to find links to all the resources she mentioned on this podcast um you'll find the link to her website her podcast her online courses including moonbeaming her most comprehensive moon magic course to date you can go and check out the show notes on my website carmenspaniola.com 
That's also where to find more information about the Numinous School of Intuition. You'll just want to click on the Courses link in the upper navigation. As I said, registration only happens once a year in spring. The price is $495 US for a comprehensive year-long real-time program, and it includes a printed textbook. And if you need a payment plan, no problem. There's no extra charge or admin fee for that, but you do have to make sure you sign up for my newsletter in March because payment plans begin in March and they're only offered to my newsletter subscribers. You'll find the newsletter sign up at the very bottom of my landing page. Today, I would like to do my shout out to, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of funny, but literally I saw it on the map, to my one listener in Siberia. This is the coolest thing to me. And if you're listening to this episode, please write me and tell me how you found my podcast and why you're listening. I think it's so amazing. Thank you for spending time with me, my friend in Siberia. Finally, let's talk about Quest. Ruben and I are leading Quest this year from June 24th to July 6th, 2019. It's a 12-day journey, and in the middle, you'll spend four days and nights fasting, solo, in the wilderness, on a mountain, without a tent. You will have water and a sleeping bag, and it does it does sound pretty, pretty real, pretty freaking real, right? But you'll have very thorough spiritual and survival training before you go out there. And it's not about survival. It's about like sort of bedding down in one spot and um, inviting nature to be your ally and your teacher. Um, More than anything, though, Quest with us is an experience of earned, secure attachment and reacquaintance with the skills of human making and community building and togetherness. That's why there's a whole year of aftercare included in your quest. So there's prep before you go. There's the 12 days where we're gathered around the table. I'm making meals. Ruben's washing dishes. We're singing you songs and sea shanties and and saying Gallic blessings to you before bedtime. I mean, it's a it's a very sweet experience. So truly, the solo is kind of a tiny part of the larger life-changing experience that is Quest with us. Um, And you know, if this year isn't your year for Quest, but you'd like a taste of the experience for just a fraction of the time and the expense, you might consider joining us for Vestalia, a women's summer solstice celebration happening at our Quest location in the Caribou Chilcotin region of BC, June 20th to 23rd. So get all the details about Vestalia under the workshop tab and uh, about Quest at carmenspaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care. <laughs>